everyone, and welcome back to Sam.gov Bids Live, episode number 31, where we walk through our small business solicitations together on Sam and answer your questions along the way so that you can start bidding and winning contracts for your small business. Today, guys, we do have six small business solicitations pulled up. I am going to try to go for six. We'll see if we can squeeze it in. Uh, that I pulled up in Sam that we will be jumping into in just a second. But if you are new here, you don't want to miss future Sam.gov Bits episodes, make sure you subscribe to the channel and also hit that notification bell so you can ask your questions live on future streams. And if you do happen to be somebody who's recently registered your business in Sam.gov and you are looking to start learning this stuff, specifically start bidding, check out my website, govkidmethod.com for free and paid resources that were designed to support new federal contractors just like you guys. Now we will go ahead and do a, a quick preview of the bids we're gonna be looking at today. And again, we're gonna be looking at six. So number one of six we're gonna be looking at today is going to be lodging and accommodations, okay? Number two is going to be fiber optic cables. And I know we have a number of uh, telecom, uh, construction and specialty trade contractors. So I am doing this in honor of them today. Number three, we do have program planning and training support for the USARC, which is the U.S. Army Combat Readiness Center. Or it's actually not USARC, that's Army Reserve Center. This is the Army Combat Readiness Center. So we're, we're looking at like services. Uh, it could be staffing here. It could be warm bodies. I'm not 100%. We'll dig into that though as well. We also have court reporting services. This is going to be a BPA. What are BPAs, uh, blanket purchase agreements? You're not actually winning uh, money from being awarded this contract. Instead, it's a vehicle where then you will be able to uh, receive task orders from and ultimately provide court reporting services. So we will look at, at that in the form and fashion of a BPA when we look at that solicitation. We also have simultaneous interpretation services for the Tunisia National Democratic Institute seminar. We're going to see what that's all about. And then lastly, HVAC maintenance contract. I think this may be across the uh, the country, might be countrywide. We'll see as we dig in. If you are, if you guys are on live hanging out with us, you just jumped in, say hello in the chat. If this is your first time catching a live, let me know that as well. Say first time as well as what state are you representing? Always good to see our our uh, geographic mix across the, the country. Let me know that in the chat, guys. And just so you know, uh, the way this is going to work, if this is your first live, we go from bid over to the chat. So if you have questions, things you're hung up on, things you're stuck on, uh, I try to answer those quickly as we go uh, through the stream here. But it also seems to be very valuable to everybody because a lot of people have the same questions as you. So if you're having a question, feel free to post that. We'll kind of quickly address it. And anything else that you got going on, hey, maybe you want a contract, maybe it's something you want to share, definitely let us know that as well. And then uh, we'll bounce in between bids and do it that way. And also so that you know, I don't ever look at these contracts ahead of time. I basically pull them based off of the title. I don't go through them uh, to get them all figured out or pre-planned. Everything is raw and off the cuff as I go through them. That way, if something looks off, it's a little bit messy. You get to see the real deal, the real experience, because that's what it's going to be like for you as you start going out into Sam.gov trying to look at contracts on your own. And maybe for some of you, that's exactly what you're experiencing. And hopefully you can learn some you know, methodologies, best practices, some of the things that we teach here on the channel and on the show to help uh, kind of get you making more progress, to help make going forward and getting in stuck and things like that. So really quick before we get started here, Jason Turner. Hey, Derek, Florida here. What's going on, Jason? Good to see you, man. We have, um, let's see, we have Andy. Uh, from Florida as well. Not sure how, how to pronounce the, the, the last name. Uh, Kokachi will be my best guess on that one. Kim Baird as well. First time in New Mexico. Welcome, Kim. First time. Philip Bravo hanging out from California. What's going on, Philip? We have Basha Lee from Pennsylvania. What's going on? We are all over the place today in the best way possible. We have Tarira Coleman. First time, but have watched previous episodes from Nashville, Tennessee. Love it. Is it is it Tahira? We'll go with we'll go with Tahira. I wanted to say Tyra, but I think I'm missing a syllable there. So, uh, so your first time catching live? That's awesome. We have Larisha Turner Jackson from Atlanta hanging out. 
Awesome. Michael, uh, Michael SLS, hello from Tampa, Florida as well. Electrical and interior renovations. We have teams in Tampa Bay and area, California. And, and Bay Area, California. Got it. Shout out. Shout out to your team, man. Always appreciate sharing fire. You got it, Jason. Try to do my best. Oh, Albania. Oh, it's Albanian. Thank you. Love. Oh, it's Albanian. Got it. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually, uh, I, I like it. It's pretty. Michael Reynolds hanging out from North Carolina. Innovative Nationwide Solutions hanging out with us once again. Good morning to you. And we also have... Uh, Daniel Rashid, do we get, do we need to get clearances if we bid on contracts? Only if the contract requires it and you're not going to be able to get it anyways, because you need to be sponsored first. So it becomes a chicken and the egg thing. Um, very often when you go after contracts that require clearance, government will give you what's called an interim so that they will begin the process with you. Other times you may have to become a subcontractor um, to have them sponsor you. You have to have a reason to get a clearance. You don't just get to apply for it. Like you have to have reason to do work and that has to be submitted with your application to get it so it's very much chicken and the egg thing so it's either they sponsor you or it's a uh it's like subcontracting type deal hello from virginia omar as well from dc what's going on pronounced it correctly let's go tahira alex holmes as well how can you work from home as a government contractor when your home becomes your primary uh, principal residence and uh that's how you do it. Basically, it depends on really what you're looking to do. But if you're managing contracts, you're doing services, even if you are doing products and you're drop shipping or whatever, it doesn't really matter where your your residence is located. If you're doing federal contracts, you're able to do contracts across the country. So it's not really a how you just you just do it. But you have to become a registered first, Alex, in order to do that. And, you know, if you're working subs, those subs are going to be registered in the respective states. So the state stuff is kind of taken care of that way. Um, so not sure if there's more context to the question, but let's go ahead and roll over into our first bid of the day. And we are kicking it off with, I think, an easy one. It's going to be lodging accommodations. I've been showcasing these a lot because they are pretty easy, extremely straightforward, and everybody can mentally conceive of the work. So that's not like a barrier versus if we're looking at something more with a more technical you know, scope of work. So it's going to be out of Cambridge, Massachusetts, lodging for DOT, Department of Transportation. This bid is due February 17th, Okay, about 10 days from now, small business set aside. They're using the hotel snakes code of 721110. And again, the place of performance is going to be out of Cambridge. We are seeing simplified acquisition procedures being cited here. Simplified acquisition is what? It's under 250K. So we have a... a we don't have a ballpark estimate, but we do have a, a kind of not to exceed limit to start piecing our puzzle together here. The Volpe Center has a requirement for single room unit lodging accommodations for up to two room blocks during two separate time frames. The first room block is for up to 10 individuals, and then the second room block is up for 22 individuals, so 10 and 22. All rooms shall be at the same premises and shall be no more than uh, three quarters of a mile walking distance from this particular address. Okay, so they want it to be really, really close. The rooms are required to be furnished, yada, yada, yada. We'll learn more about that in the statement of work. Period of performance is important here. They're giving us 26 April through 28 May with option periods that extend through 26 August if exercised. So we'll see if we can get more details uh, if that's like more of like an extended stay we're looking at weeks and months or are these just time frames because they said two blocks where they could be booking that's kind of what i'm i'm asking myself when i when i see this <clears throat> okay in terms of solicitations or solicitation in terms of documents we have the solicitation we have a request for quote document which we'll see how those stack up against each other then we have a statement of work, wage determination, and lodging requirements checklist. So nothing too crazy with attachments. And we do have Kaylee Kuda from DOT helping us out in contracting this morning and for some this afternoon. <clears throat> so we'll go ahead and I think just dive into this solicitation. I'm curious if they have a solicitation and an RFQ. Typically, they are one and the same, like an actual RFQ document. But the solicitation is only seven pages, so it's probably just a separation of 
requirements and contract jargon, but we'll see exactly what it looks like. So this is the solicitation. Again, simplified acquisition procedures. Again, this is Department of Transportation. We're looking at the Volpe Center needing lodging, okay? This is gonna be RFQ to result in a single purchase award order, meaning only one contractor, maybe it's you, will win this contract. Vendor's price quote shall include uh, firm fixed price, of course. And then you can see this is copy and pasted. We just read this word for word out of the description of the Sandbackov listing, very typical. So we're not gonna repeat that at the moment. Same with this period of performance and these attachments being referenced. It is all a copy and paste job, just so you know, because uh, you may come across that. You definitely will come across this as you look at solicitations on SAM. So it's good to know what's actually going on here. <clears throat> Complete your reps and certs, instruction to offers is actually gonna be spelled out here. So content of quote, what is, Derek, I'm not a proposal writer. What's required to put in my response if I wanna to try to throw my hat in the ring, bid on this contract and try to win it? How do I do that? Well, you, you do that by giving them what they're asking for. And we look for what they're asking for. That is called instruction to offers which we found that was not bolded. Typically it'll be bolded, but then we look for the actual, the, the bullets, the, the volumes, the details, tell us contracting, what is it you want from me? Speak it into words. And that's what they're doing here. Vendors quote, shall comply with requirements outlined here. Complete and sign the RFQ sheet, which is gonna be attached here. So makes sense, complete attachment four. What is attachment four? Lodging requirement checklist. So we haven't seen that. We'll look at that as well. Acknowledge any amendments, which I don't think we have any yet. Be registered in SAM, easy peasy. Uh, point of contact for your company, easy peasy. Reps and certs, easy peasy as well. Technical acceptability submissions as noted below. So in order to be found technically acceptable, since this is a quote, they haven't straight up told us, but this is looking like lowest price, but, but we'll see. So they're saying factor one, in order to check the box for technical acceptability, which is, which is what you need to do, you shall demonstrate that your technical acceptability is, I guess I phrased that the wrong way. You shall demonstrate technical acceptability by, how about that, providing information required under the following elements. Number one, technical. Number two, adherence to the schedule. And number three, past performance. And then very nicely, they break it down by each of those three bullet points, technical acceptability, adherence to schedule and past performance. They tell us a bit more what they want for each of those. So for the first one, the technical acceptability piece, they want A, B, C, and D. A says capability of meeting all the requirements in the statement of work, including a detailed room description with amenities. You can get this from you know the, the hotel's website or their, their jargon. It's gonna give you a pretty good idea of those amenities. This can be in the written form or either they're saying, a brochure or pamphlet. So that feeds right into kind of what we're thinking here. Next, capability of the facility, meeting the walking distance of that 0.7 miles. So you could literally just take a snapshot, Google Maps. Okay, here's the address. Here's the facility. It's 0.66 miles. We are underneath the 0.7 mile maximum. And then you will satisfy that requirement. C, capability to provide a tour of the proposed facility to a rep uh, of the Volpe Center prior to the award. So the government wants to come check it out, make sure it before they give you the award that it looks good, especially if it's a facility that they're not used to. If this is a facility that they're, they're used to, they've probably done events like this in the past and they have an idea of what the different uh, accommodations are around town. But this is just them giving themselves a little bit of leeway space in case you propose something new, maybe a, a new there's a new gig in town uh, that they get to walk it first, okay? And then number four, the the completed uh, attachment for lodging checklist, once again, they're citing. So those four things wrapped up is gonna be your technical capability. Really not too bad, right? I'm literally spelling out your proposal here for you, for anybody who's actually paying attention, taking notes, you can literally start putting your proposal together based on this information that, that I'm telling you. So the next adherence to the schedule, potential vendors in their submission shall identify their capability to meet the period performance, which again, they, they fleshed out in a couple of different ways, but it kicks off 26 April through 28 May with a possible extension through 26 August. Okay, that's what they're referring to. So they wanna see a schedule. Past performance, okay? They're saying the vendor shall provide information on at least two, but no more than three. Okay, guys, we hear past performance a lot. We often don't know how many to provide. We have to see what they're asking for. In this case, 
they're asking for at least two, but no more than three. So they're really saying two or three. And the information provided shall be recent within the last five years. So they look for what do we always say about what do we always say about past performance, guys? The two R's. Does anybody know them? There's two R's. I'm literally gonna like leave a 30 second block here to see if you guys can answer that. Anybody in the chat? What are the two R's that are very important for past performance? I talk about this a lot on the channel. Let's see if we get any A plus plus students here. And I see you guys' questions in the the chat. That's awesome. We will be uh, I'll, I'll be getting to those as soon as we wrap up this bid. So just stay tight. Anybody explain what those two R's are? Nailed it, Michael. Recency and and well, very close. I'll give it to you, Michael. A recency and relevancy. Uh, we, you said recent and relative. I, I think it, I think you you mean one and the same. So I'll give it to you. Recency and relevancy, hundred percent. Innovative nationwide solutions. Dang, you, you got it as well. Relevancy and recency. Nice work, guys. Nice work. Good job. So that's what they're saying. Within the five years, they're talking about recency. And then description of the work, scope of these other contracts, that's the relevancy. Okay. And then factor two, that was all factor one. Factor one was, again, te technical capability, adherence to the schedule, and past performance. That was all factor one. As such, should your outline in your proposal be laid out to match? And then factor two, this is only going to be two factors. Factor two is price. Total price, daily rate for each of the line items on attachment one. Did we see even see that yet? No, we didn't even get to that. We're spending a lot of time on this one. We'll have to pick up the pace on the other ones. But uh, for some reason, I feel like this is a good one to teach too. Yep, Rick777888 nailed it as well. And then the valuation. You know, I was, I was thinking lowest price based on their language. What are they telling us here? We do see LPTA jumping off the page. So we are validated that it is going to be a lowest price offer. But what is important with lowest price offers first? First, you need to be found technically acceptable. They won't even look at your price until you check the boxes for being technical acceptable. So really what these are so that you guys can read these like a contracting officer or you can read these like an experienced bidder, somebody who's been winning contracts and learning how to do this over time for a number of years. How can you do that right now? You read this by saying these are boxes that I need to check. Okay. To be competitive, I need to check this technical capability. I need to check the schedule. I need to check the past performance. But this is pa this is pass fail stuff. Okay. This is not being evaluated by exceptional, satisfactory, very good, you know, uh not so good, not so good, right? Unsatisfactory. They're not grading the layers of your responses to these. It's you either have them or you don't. And then it's going to come down to price, and the lowest price is going to win for those who make it past that hurdle. Okay, so that's how you read this. This is how you react to this as a veteran bidder. Okay, if some of you who are just starting out, you can learn to start doing this right now. Really understand the requirement and what's being asked of you so that you're not just putting stuff on paper guessing. So again, lowest price really vindicates us in, in our methodology and our approach to try to put together a winning bid for this. They're going to go on to talk a bit more about technical acceptability. I'm, and again, acceptable, unacceptable, pass, fail. You get it? The, the story is pretty complete. I'm going to just go through these other documents really quickly, and then we're going to move on and get to the chat because I spent way too much time on this one. So this is our attachment one request for quote. They're giving us pricing cleanse 100, 200, and 300. And that's just reflective of these different periods of performance. And it's just, it's just that. Okay. Um, quantity is likely we might have to spend more time on understanding this quantity but it's probably going to be those rooms that they mentioned because that really is the the variable so we would spend more time looking at that if we were to bid on it and we also want to check this lodging requirement checklist because this was that attachment four that was also included as part of your technical response this is a page and a half long and what they want you to do they've literally broken down and this is kind of, kind of, this is actually a great learning point. You guys, if you have a screen to look at it really, just, just take a look at this really quick. Um, PDRS requirement, they're taking the, the statement of work line by line, and then they're having you write to it line by line, like in response, like this is, this is very meticulous. Okay. Luckily, luckily the statement of work isn't that long because this would be a lot of writing, but for example, studio room must have a seating area. Okay. What do you write to that? Okay. 
contractor uh, location being proposed by contractor has been confirmed to have a seating area that seats capacity of blank at a time. Okay, kind of like one sentence response, but you're not just like literally rearranging these words. No, you're putting a little bit of color into it. You're putting a little bit of flesh and blood into it. You're putting your take in it because that's what the government wants to know. Studio room must have a full size closet space. Studio room that is being proposed in contractors uh, facility has a full size closet space that can accommodate so many square feet for example, or whatever they're needing a studio room for. I'm not exactly sure. Okay. But you're putting a little spin on it, but for the most part, you are also acknowledging that your facility is capable of providing this. Okay. So let's just move on from that now. And I'll go ahead and get caught up in the chat here. I'm going to take it from the top, but Mr. Handy, Mr. Hand Peace Repair, $5 super chat. Thank you so much for the contribution to the channel. Uh, very, very much appreciated. Thank you so much. Trying to find my way back up to the chat here. Uh, Alex Holmes, uh, I was listening to some other guy and we'll, we never throw shade on the channel. So I'm not sure what I'm going to read, but I was listening to some other guy, but he seems to completely ignore excessive pass-through laws and subcontracting FAR clause. If that's your experience, then I would I would probably say following that individual uh, may be risky, right? Um, that's really all that I, I will weigh into that. Uh, just got to be careful with that particular topic that you're referring to. You have to be especially careful. And it sounds like you're knowledgeable of these things. So it does not sound like you're going to, operate your business at a risk, right? That's what you don't want to do. Um, Michael, hey, bid. <laughs> hey, Derek. <laughs> Question about simplified acquisition and bonding. I was reading that the FAR, I was reading the FAR, and it looks like when it's under 35K, they won't require bonding when dealing with constructions. Can you clarify? Um, I would have to actually go read that myself. Um, I'm not super familiar with that particular FAR regulation, uh, but, I, but what I can affirm to you is that there are contracts over 35K where they do not require bonds. So it's kind of like an over, over answer to the question. So that may be just as helpful to you without actually reading and going through the regulation. But yeah, bonds are just like everything else. They're on a case-by-case -case basis. Sometimes they may require it. Sometimes they other. They will, the larger the dollar value will increasingly require it because it is a form of insurance. It is a form of protection. And yes, 35K is not only is it 35K, it's also well below simplified acquisition. And I'm not saying that those two are tied together, but if they're not asking for a bond in the bid, they're not asking for a bond in the bid. So I would prefer the way that you learn this and approach this, Michael, is to take it bid by bid and treat each case because you don't, you don't want to be assuming that it's not and then you're caught off guard because it is, right? So I'd rather you be more prepared. And so just literally always look for that in your bids and that's going to be the, the best approach because there could be like an 80% rule where most of the time it's this, most of the time it's that, but I'd rather you be be prepared 100% of the time if I'm explaining myself properly. Jason, with bid contracts, like the one you're sharing, do you find actual hotels bid on these? Uh, so the thing with, most hotels are not small businesses. So the set aside prevents them from going after it. So for example, the one that we just went through is small business set aside for the lodging very likely the hotel you would be contacting is not going to be a small business, right? Or they're going to be part of some larger, you know, mother company, parent company, whatever you want to call it. So these are the things that prevent them. Also, them having a cage code, just like you need to have a cage code, they would also have to have a cage code. So if they're not set up to do this, then the only way the hotel can get the work is through a contractor like you. So it becomes a symbiotic relationship. Now, sometimes you get some really small like hotels that go up and get their cage code and they bid on these contracts direct. In those cases, yeah, 100%. You stand no chance. But that doesn't happen very often. Dr. Letitia hanging out from uh, St. Cloud, Florida with us today. Welcome, welcome. One of our bid team members. And Dr. Letitia, I did get your, uh, your, your, your post and I did respond to it. And we can touch base on that on our Friday coaching calls. So no worries. Dr. Virginia. Hey, Derek, it's been a while since I've been able to catch you live. Thanks for all you share. 100%. Thanks for hanging out with us. Good to see you back again as well. 
again, thank you, uh, Mr. Hand Peace Repair for the contribution to the channel. Really appreciate it. Daniel Rashid, so people with no past performance can't bid here? No, they can. So I always say, and I recommend, so I have like a, a, a free legal middleman masterclass. It's just, you'll find it in the description of this video. I, I go through the FAR regulations that relate to this, right? So you can use subcontractors, past performance. If you don't have past performance, you are you are neutrally rated. You are not favorably or unfavorably rated. Um, not going to go into it a whole lot at this moment, but but if you don't have past performance, you can absolutely still bid. And there's multiple ways to do that, and you can do that in a compliant way and work with subs in a, a legal middleman type fashion. So definitely check that that link out. It's just in the description of this video, you'll see it. Alex, how are you editing the document? How are you editing the documents? What do you use to open them? Uh, just, just Microsoft Word, actually. They just open up in Word for me. Daniel, I have a lot of past performance and uh, leading projects at work. Can I use this? Yeah, so you can use, uh, you can use key predecessor. You can use predecessor companies. You can use key key employees. That's what I'm trying to say. Predecessor companies and key employees. You can use past performance from either of those. So whatever personal inventory you bring, even if it's from another life, you can use that as past performance. Past performance does not have to be business only done and conducted under your entity that is registered in SAM with your cage code. That is not the only form of past performance that you can propose in a proposal. Again, you'll learn a lot more about that. Um, Adrian, uh, how do I research pricing past bids? I keep losing bids. Uh, well, you can research on fpds.gov. Go to federalprocurementdatasystem.gov. You'll see all the previous, the, that's where all the archives are. Guys, the archives for awarded contracts are not on SAM. They're on fpds.gov. You need the award number, not the solicitation number, but the award number in order to pull that up though. So you could request that from contracting. If you don't have it, they may or may not provide it. If you're losing, you need to check to see how well you know your industry. I don't know if you're doing legal middlemaning. I don't know if this is an industry that you know how to price. So without the context, I can't really say a whole lot on how to make you more competitive. Uh, and as I, as I say to many people who, who say they keep losing bids and they think it's all about price, I have to challenge you and make sure that you're checking that it's not just price. Make sure that it's not some other area of your bid, even if it is just a quote that's making you to be found non-compliant because what we just went through in this last bid example, you have to be technically acceptable first, okay? And that is mostly providing a quote and a very short little proposal write-up, remember? So it's easy to say, it's my price, it's my price, I don't know what to do, but is it is it always your price? It's unlikely. If it is always your price, and for example, you're using subs, you need to make sure, are you educating your subs? Lots of subs come to the space saying, oh, this is your government contractor. Okay, the government's got the money. And then they go and they put 50% extra on what they normally would because it's for the government. They think it's just the, the government that's going to dictate what's an acceptable amount. And if the government has more money, so they can make more money. That's just so wrong. That's how you lose bids over and over and over again. You guys lose bids by working with subs without educating them, without seeing what their margins are, and without getting multiple quotes to hold them accountable and you also don't shake them down. If you're not shaking those subs down, they are building up so much fat stacks of profit and cushion in that. And if you just accept that because you're too afraid, because you're new to this, you're going to lose all the bits. Okay. You have to be savvy. You have to be confident. You have to be a little bit aggressive. Um, not in like a bad way, obviously, but you just have to be, you have to control. You have to manage the sub when they do the work, but you have to control the sub when you're getting the quotes from them. And very much that affects pricing. The subs will will lose work for you 100% of the time because of their their fat inflated rates because they think because they're doing business with the government they think they can do that. They have no idea. So you have to educate them. They're not competing with the government. They're competing with their own competitors because their own competitors are potentially going up against them. So they have to treat this and price this like it would in the commercial space. They don't just get a free pass because now it's government. They're going to lose all the bids for you. So I don't know if that's the case or not, but I know a lot of people need to hear that. And I'm going to start saying that more often. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to jump to our second bid here, clear out our tabs, and then I will get back to the chat, just trying to stick to some sort of uh, <laughs> structure and schedule here.
for the interest of time. We've blown half the show on a, on one bid. Uh, blown is the wrong word because it's. I think it's very. Uh, I think it's very helpful. But I don't think we're going to get through all six today. We'll see what we can do. So number two, fiber optic cables, Columbus Air Force Base. Not the typical thing we would cover, but I know there are a lot of contractors out there, so I am throwing them a bone. This is for the Air Force, of course. This is not due until March 1st. Small business set aside. 238-210, electrical contractors, next code. So this is for uh, engineer, furnish, install, and test. 12-strand single-mode fiber optic cables from the IT... ITB building, <laughs> say that five times fast, to building B. Okay, so running cables from building ITB to building B. Documents we have, solicitation. And this is good, guys. Like a lot of you, this is not what your business is or even what you want your business to be. But you get to see the similarities. Okay, once you learn how to do this, you can really, you know, I don't want to say like, you can definitely go out on your own. You can venture out a little bit further without being, you know, too afraid to only stay in the shallow water. So for documents, we have solicitation doc. We have our base access, not a big deal, wage determination, AFAR clauses, so the Air, Air Force, right? FAR clauses, provisions and clauses. And then maybe, I don't know. Maybe amendment, maybe photos. I can't tell from the way they named this. So our most important document for right now is going to be our solicitation doc. Once again, so we'll go ahead and dig into that. This is only three pages long. Three. They're repeating some of the info here. And we have a pricing claim, pricing schedule. Literally one price. Okay. LO. What does LO mean for pricing? Does anybody know? LO. I'm not going to spend too much time. It stands for one lot, okay? Like one job, one project. And that's for the purchase and the install of this fiber optic cabling. Pretty straightforward. Print, date, and sign. And like that's it for that attachment. Nothing too, too crazy. Good. Luckily, that one's going to be extremely short. It looks like just literally a very price-only bid. Like they just want the price. Yeah, here's some photos. I would definitely recommend spending more time to go through this, however. But there is like not a lot at all. Just the statement of work, clauses, wage determination, base access. That's it. Hey, man, if anybody does this sort of stuff, this would not be a complicated response to put together. So definitely check it out. Cool. That one was extremely fast and I didn't even have to rush it. There just wasn't much there. So coming back to the chat here, guys, if you're liking this, you're getting some value today, smash the like button, please. Definitely helps the algorithm and pushes us out to more people who need to hear the information that we share. We've got uh, Jay Akpova. Hello, everyone. Good to back be back here. Welcome back, Jay. Philip Bravo. Good question, Adrian. I run into the same problem. It's hard to gauge if our pricing is competitive. And, and guys, you do learn more over time, especially if you stick in one industry or a couple, like if you have an umbrella, you're doing an umbrella strategy where you're limiting to a, a certain number of services and complementary services through the repetition of bidding, you're going to throw some outliers. You're going to throw some darts and totally miss the target. Potentially, you don't ever really want to do that because you're probably relying on subs to do your pricing if, if this is the type of um situation that you find yourself in more importantly you just want to get multiple subs so that you aren't so far off and then once you have multiple subs you're finding what you think the mean price is then you're also kind of working the subs to make sure they're not overly inflating the prices also doing that several times in the same service areas same industries you definitely should start to get to get closer closer and closer on your pricing have a question from Jay. Uh, when I'm submitting a bid, do I attach the entire solicitation doc? Uh, it's up to you. Some some do. I've seen both. Okay. Jay's asking if the solicitation is 100 pages and it's got like reps, inserts, pricing, cleanse, 
got to sign the SF-1449 form. Do I just complete everything that needs to be completed all over the place and be like, here you go, 100 pages filled out? Or do I extract those pages? It's nice to extract the pages when you don't have any other reason to believe that that would be a problem. I would extract the pages. Just make sure if they are making amendments to the contract that you're also acknowledging and uploading those amendments too. Because if they if you're uploading, you know, just the information that needs to be filled out, so you're leaving out the statement of work and those other things about the job, and then they go and change it then it can appear or it could be argued that the information you provided solely right without the rest of the jargon to accompany it is not going to be the same price for potentially what was amended and what was changed. So if they change it, make sure you, you have to do it anyways, but make sure you're acknowledging and, and also attaching that amendment so that they know if you are just extracting, you know, those three or four key pieces of information from the hundred page document that it also goes with, or it's been accounted for to go with the changes that were amended. But there's not technically a right or a wrong way. Um, Bash Ali, hey, I have my CS finished. So what's my next step for cleaning services? Your, so CS, your CAPE statement, you have your CAPE statement finished. Uh, hopefully you are registered in SAM. Hopefully you have a business and that business has a TIN number. Then you register that business to SAM, you got a cage code, and then you did your CAPE statement. So with the limited information, hopefully you've done all that. Next step is to start bidding, right? Uh, we recommend four systems. I teach four systems on our, our, our bid team. This is what we do in our 12 month coaching. We build out these four systems because most of you are small business teams of one, two, and three, and you need to work smarter, not harder. And you don't have the time to be chasing shiny objects and doing a whole bunch of things that are not gonna win you a contract, right? So the goal is to get your first bid out in your first 30 days and then to start playing your numbers game, doing a couple submissions after that and improving each and every month, each and every submission as well. You do that for a period of time, you will be winning multiple contracts and even more so the longer you do it, right? And you do that for, through four systems. Number one, a prospecting system, finding bids that are a close match for your business on sam.gov, automating those searches. That's where you're learning NAICS codes, keywords, PSD codes, all that. You automate it because you're a team of one. And then you're checking that routinely a couple days a week. Okay, this is systematic. Once you have that in place, you have a conveyor belt bringing you bids that are not necessarily a perfect match, but a close match coming into your inbox and you're checking those routinely. The next system you need is a qualifying system. Qualifying system allows you to sort from the good bids from the bad bids. So you have a system, you have predetermined criteria so you can quickly go in extract key information and say is this something i even want to spend my time on or not so you want to scrutinize it and if it passes those tests then it goes into the short list or, or in the small pile for your system number three which is your 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 bidding system right so you need to have a process for putting these bits together you don't want to be approaching these with a blank sheet of paper you don't want to be approaching these as fluff so you have your bidding system system number three this is how you're going to read the solicitation efficiently and quickly but but comprehensively so reading then you're going to outline based on what you read then you're going to get your pricing going and if that means working with subs you're going to get it going at this point too because it can take time then you're going to finish your proposal and the forms so you're going to flesh out your outline right and do the government forms that is the proposal piece and then you tie it all together and then the last piece of your your bidding system is your actual review and submission to contracting to ensure you're submitting a compliant offer after doing all that work making sure you're not going to be thrown out for something stupid right so that's system number three your bidding system and number four is your winning system so this is how you play your numbers game this is how you improve with each and every bid this is what improves your win ratios and gives you a pipeline that you can plan for uh you know the next 12 months and beyond this way, you're actually operating strategically, you're using systems, you're not overworking yourself, you're not becoming burned out, and you are really you know, kind of the master of your own destiny. That is a lot. That is what we teach and I work with you on in our bid team, and it's a 12-month coaching program where we're all marching to the same beat, we're all doing this, and we do have many people coming in uh, winning contracts and many, many more submitting their first bids in 30 days where they've never even thought of you know, being able to do that that quickly okay we have the resources the tools the templates the coaching and my eye to help you because you actually get to submit um your bids your proposals and i look at it okay you submit it through a secure server and i get to look at it through 
totally soapboxing here, but uh, that'll just be the one plug for bid team for today. So extremely long answer to the question of I'm registered. What do I do next? That's what I think you do next. Grace Johnson, how do we create a CAPE statement? If you're new in the industry, you just create one. It's one pager or double-sided up to you. Reflect the standard information you would want reflected, like your NAICS codes, your services, your company overview profile. If you've done past projects, you want to include that too. And make sure you have your federal contracting information in there as well, like your set-asides, uh, your, um, like I said, your NAICS codes, but also your company's cage code, that good information. Put it in a way that makes sense. That's really the, the outcome. That's the takeaway of what you want to result in with your capability statement. And, and it should all be tied together, in my opinion, with some sort of umbrella, meaning you don't have just a bunch of random services you're going after. They should be related. They should be complementary. So somebody looks at this as your written elevator pitch, right? Then they're like, oh, makes sense. Good to know. You know what I'm saying? That's the type of reaction that you, you want to get. So those are the things you strive for. Philip says, good point, GovKit. Um, thank you. I try to make some good points. Mr. Hand Piece Repair, I'm having difficulty following solicitations all the way to award. If the SAT is under 250, it seems like I have to write the CAPE statement or, or, or oh no, the contracting specialist or the contracting officer every time. And most times they don't answer back. I'm not sure I understand the question. I'm having difficulty following solicitations all the way to award. Okay. If the SAT is under 250, it seems like I have to write the CS or CU every time. I'm not understanding the question um, that you're asking. Feel free to uh, uh, like rephrase it and I'll, I'll try to answer it again. What specialized lawyer should I go to for legal concerns? Um, just search, you know, GovCon lawyers if you're concerned about it. Uh, I will throw a bone out to small GovCon, like smallgovcon.com. Um, Stephen Cole Prince is well known in the space. Uh, he's written a lot of articles on illegal pass-through schemes, things like that. And I believe he has a team that could potentially support you. More than happy to throw a bone out to them. I haven't worked with them personally, but they're kind of the ones that are, are known in the space. Michael, uh, that bid looks right up my avenue. Oh, nice, Michael. That's awesome, man. Um, that's why I like to do those as well. That That's actually really cool to hear. And thank you for that, sir. You got it, Jay, 100%. <laughs> Michael, hit the, goal, hit the button for these golden nuggets being dropped. Yeah, let's go, guys. Let's get the, the hype train going. Um, let's go ahead and go on to our next bid, and we'll we'll keep uh, coming back to the chat here, guys. So bid number three, program planning and training support for the U.S. Army Combat Readiness Center. This is services. I told you that it, it feels like warm bodies to me. Let me go ahead and cool it down in here a little bit. This is going to be for the Army, USACE. Offer is due February 13th. So about a week from now, a lot, not a lot of time, but this is small business set aside. And the NAICS code being used is 541990, which is one of my favorite NAICS codes for services. So the purpose of this contract is to provide planning and training support to be managed by the army work will include a range of general planning services specific planning services all right uh and program coordination and management probably the most vague they could be contractor assistance may be required for program administration these guys to include organization communication tracking execution all right tell us exactly what you're trying to trying to tell us though um we do have chandler hyatt and contracting from USACE. And we have no, interesting. We have no attachments. Okay, guys. So actually, let me, I'm going to back up. Let me back up because they, they made changes. Let me see. It looks like they've been making changes all the way since December. Yeah, so there's, interesting. Th this will be extremely short as well. Because we literally have nothing. So let me come back to the most updated. Okay, we have no links. They are saying that this is a, a PIEE solicitation. So they're telling you to go there, but they did not give you the PIEE link. PIEE is another platform uh, that will take you off of SAM. You will have to submit through the PIEE portal. You do have to kind of sign up. And it's not too difficult of a process, but you do have to answer some questions to get into PIEE to become a, a vendor in there. 
but they're not giving us the link to that. So you would have to basically go on PIEE. I don't even know if you can search. It's not a, a platform that I'm, it's probably the least, the platform that I'm least familiar with. But for this, there's literally nothing even to look at, unfortunately, because there's no attachments here and there's no link to take us over to PIEE. So you may be experiencing this on your own. You could try to search on PIEE, like I said, we'll just call it PI, I usually call it PI. But uh, yeah, nothing, unfortunately, that we can provide contracting. You could email contracting, you could email Chandler and say, hey, can you provide me the link to solicitation? R0020, right? For the planning and training support. And he, he would probably provide you the link. So that's probably what I would recommend that you do if you do come up against a, a PI solicitation where they're not giving you anything like this one. Um, email contracting and ask for the link, okay? Okay, Adrian. I'm middle manning products, random products, okay. Should I stick to one specific industry? Would that give me a better chance? Middlemaning products, I always say, okay, you said, okay, you answered my question. Um, maybe it was a different one, uh, but with middlemaning uh, pro products rather, you are gonna get burnt out. You do have to bid on a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot, especially if you're pulling off on Unison, even if you're doing products on Sam. If your goal is to ultimately be in services, I don't recommend doing products because the, the past performance is not gonna be relevant anyways. But if you do, if you're just super, you know, into random products, okay. I'm just telling you, I, I think eventually you're going to burn out. Yeah, that's all that I'll kind of say about that. Jay, is there a software to, to detach the solicitation PDF so I can, so I can purchase to extract what I need? Just if there is any recommendation. Yeah, so I use, um, and I do recommend, there's a, a software called Small PDF. I'm not an affiliate of, the, of theirs. Small PDF. It's kind of like Adobe, but it's a little bit cheaper. And I think it's way more intuitive to use and more user-friendly. And you can extract whatever you want. It's not free, but uh, they do have a free version where you can do like a couple of documents per day. So if that's all that you need, then you could get away with the, that version. But again, small P, that's called small PDF. All right, cool guys. Uh, again, if you're liking this, smash the like button and let's just keep the train rolling here. For court reporting services, again, this is gonna be a BPA, blanket purchase agreement. You're not gonna win any money from winning this contract. Instead, you're gonna be uh, given a vehicle where you can win task orders from it. So this is gonna be for the VA. And this is going to be due February 10th. So only a couple days. This is SDVOSB set aside. So only SDVOSBs can go after this court reporting. Uh, this is, I'm going to actually start doing more of these guys because there are a lot of these contracts. This is services. There are a lot of court reporting contracts out there. I never won one. I never even went after one, but this is almost like its own niche. It's not something, I mean, that obviously exists in the commercial space. But as we look at these niches and government contracting and these different industries that can be grouped together under umbrellas, court reporting is almost its own thing. There's a good amount of bids that I've seen year after year after year, and I don't ever talk about it a whole lot, but I'm just trying to be more mindful of it and let you guys know that this exists. And, and we know what court reporters are, right? They they sit in during the live thing. I always thought it would be kind of cool to be be a court reporter just because you get to hear all the news and the action. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the cases are, you know, depending if you're looking at criminal or civil cases or what have you, it's, uh, you know, the content probably is, it's probably hard on them too. I don't know anything about it. But yeah, so we're kind of thinking we're providing those people to do that court reporting services. It's, it's right up a lot of people's alley in terms of professional services and staffing. So this is telling us the VA is seeking to establish one or more five-year BPAs for court reporter services for the WSNC medical facilities. We do have some attachments here. We have what appears to be our solicitation doc at the bottom. We have a estimating spreadsheet, probably gonna be like hours or, or occurrences. We do also have a separate price schedule cost sheet as well as attachment B. 
So those are B and C. Not sure what this, it's the WSNC that they're referencing here. Then we have amendment and number of amendments, including the price cost schedule being amended. So we will look at the solicitation doc first. And again, BPA, so this is more of a vehicle. And you got, you guys, you gotta love, you gotta love the VA solicitations. And of course, being sarcastic, uh, their, their formatting is, is not, it's always, it's always consistent. That's the one thing I will say about VA solicitations. They are always consistent. They always have this kind of blue headers, but a lot of times their, their font is not, not very nice. Okay, so since this is 70 pages, we are gonna kind of quickly scroll and look. They're saying individual task orders will not exceed 100,000 each, right? But you're doing multiple task orders, okay? And it's over a five-year period. So that's more how the, the, the vehicle is gonna work in nature. They're giving us, this is, yeah, this is a statement of work. So they're giving us qualifications. This is what you would be looking for. You know, core reporters must have at least one year of experience in court reporting. Okay, so not a very high bar there necessarily. You need to have the proper certifications, proficient in English. You kind of get the idea here. Delivery of transcripts, transcripts formats for the work that the court reporter is actually going to be doing. Insurance clauses. We have our instruction to offers here, which is kind of the, the information taken right from the FAR, but typically they will give us more specific requirements of what they're looking for. And that's what I'm looking for. We do have our evaluation here. Again, typical, uh, copy and paste stuff, but then they're giving us more specific information about the evaluation. So they are saying the basis of award would be based on who has the best past performance and the lowest price. So that's interesting because it's the best past performance and the lowest price. So they're not saying past performance to kind of check a box, pass, fail. They're actually saying who has the best. So it's more of like a best value trade-off type situation, which we don't always see. So see, they're giving you status. Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. Okay. I, I was with them for a second, but now they're giving us pass-fail criteria, satisfactory or unsatisfactory or neutral. Again, just showing you guys, if you don't have past performance, worst case scenario, you're going to be neutrally rated. So it's not going to help you. It's not going to hurt you. So they're acknowledging that here, but it, it is pass-fail. So they're not being accurate when they're saying, who has the best past performance and the lowest price? Because how can you can you deem what is best when you've got five different bids and say two of them have neutral rating and three of them has have satisfactory? You don't have a way to discredit the neutral ones, right? So then everybody's price has to be considered. So that's just not entirely accurate the way that they're treating this. And we see there's a whole bunch. A whole bunch uh, when contracting uses mechanisms that are not exactly the way that they're supposed to be being used. And it looks like this is really all that we have for this. I am super curious to see the pricing sheet that we have here. And guys, this will be the last bit that we do just for the interest of time, but I am going to go through uh, the chat completely. So for whatever else we have left, I will get back to you guys. Um, but this will be the last bit that we, we do for today. So we have our price cost schedule. We'll take a peek at that. Because we should be looking at hours or occurrences. And yeah, so they're doing occurrences. So this is appearance fee. And they're just doing one each. They just want the unit price. So they're giving you 44 occurrences. So 
these occurrences though, they are all over the country. That is the one thing that separates them. Alaska, Arizona, California, lots of California, Hawaii, Montana, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas, Texas, Washington, Utah, Wyoming. Okay, so you kind of see why I like these contracts. They are, you go, you do the work, they even you, you get paid, right? These are individual task orders specifically on this BPA. Uh, but I do want to see this estimating sheet as well before we move on from this. What are they telling us here? Okay, they're talking about the transcript delivery same day pages. So this is kind of the work, the work estimate. And that's going to also help to reflect hours. But this is kind of going to be like the expected takeaways for the work. So that is something that the court reporter would be very familiar with, whoever you would be staffing or multiple people you would be staffing to provide this. Uh, preferably, you're also going to want to find people who are local because then you're not paying them uh, the extra per diem and the travel and all that. So there was about a, a dozen different locations. If you can, you want to find about a dozen you know, different people at those respective locations instead of one or two or three people and you're just flying them all over the country, which you can do, you can do that too, but your price may not be as competitive. All right. So we made it through that. Let's see. Bean, uh, Bean Ranger. Hey, so do I quality management and HR consulting? Okay. So I do quality management and HR consulting and it's hard for me to find a contract. Yeah. So that's the thing. What we do in the commercial space, this is like step one. This is all in like system one prospecting system. This particular problem, if if you are doing something in the commercial space, then you're coming on sam.gov and you're not finding it after you've done, you know, keyword searches, next code searches. Maybe you went on to USA spending to even see uh, what spending is in this area and spending is not very high. I, I tell everybody, I nor you have a magic wand to magically put, put contracts for what you go after, okay? Yes, the government buys a lot. Yes, it's like the, the biggest customer, sure. But that does not mean they are buying what you do the way that you provide it in the commercial space. And so many make this error and then they say, oh, I can't find it. So I must not be searching well. So let me go invest in a, in a software. So then you start paying money to get a software that's just gonna rehash the same information that's on SAM, or maybe it's gonna start pulling from uh, local uh, and city contracts as well, state contracts. If that's the type of thing you're into, I only do federal. We only look at federal. Sam is only federal, but to have a software that rehashes and makes for maybe a nicer um, user interface experience, that is the value add that those paid softwares offer, but they're not giving you additional bids. The only additional bids that they could give you would be for city, state, and local. And you may not even be going after those. And, and you may not find even it in city state and local so i understand and i appreciate that you offer quality management and hr consulting i can tell you from my experience the government is not buying a lot of that okay because they do a lot of it like they do it themselves doesn't mean they don't need it but they are doing it themselves internally to support their missions they're not having they're not needing a contractor for the outside to come in and do it right because how would that how would that work too how would an outsider come in and, and run hr that outsider has no idea at all how the culture of the organization organization works. Now we do see like, you know, executive coaching, executive training, things like that, consultants that come in, the government buys that. Again, not a huge amount, but they do buy it. But these mission critical inside things, it kind of makes sense that we don't see a lot of contracts for those. It's not that they don't need them, it's that they're doing them themselves. So the point being, not for this particular industry that we're talking about, but anybody who's coming and I pick on notary services a lot. Yeah, we may see one or two or three contracts for it, but if the government's not buying it, we cannot build a business off of that. And that that's just the that's just the the truth that you need to you need to find out sooner than later. So that maybe if they're buying a little bit, but not a lot, then what can we branch out? What are other complementary services that the government is buying? What are other professional services that we can put underneath a professional service um, umbrella where if we do see HR consulting or training or quality or other, you know, executive type services that we can offer that, but what are some other things too, that we're able to grow into? 
If you're unable or unwilling or not wanting to do that, then federal contracting is not going to be for you. It's just like, it's not going to be, it's not going to work because the contracts are not there. Right. So we have to understand our customer. We have to understand what our customers needs. And we have to, as a contractor, rise to the occasion to solve their problems, to offer a solution. It is not our job to say, hey, we're a business. We do this. Get in line. You know, like we, we can't we can't do that because they're not going to get in line. You have to get in line with them, which means you have to work intelligently and work backwards from what's being bought instead of fronting, saying, I want to sell this, but nobody wants to buy it. OK, because it, it exists very much in the commercial space. And again, I'm, I'm soapboxing because there's so many industries that try to come from the commercial space into government contracting. And then, you know, they end up spending a lot of money because they're not finding it. It's just not there. It's just, if it's not there, it's not there. There is no magic wand. We, we can't put it there. So instead we need to find what is there and see if where the overlap is. Okay. That's not for me, but maybe I can do this. If you're wanting to do this, otherwise don't do it, you know, cause it's not for everybody. It's not for every business model. And I'm saying that for everybody who, who may be in a similar position. Michael, hey, Derek, now that you touched on BPAs, I'm currently looking at one and I'm confused with pricing it. It almost seems like they set pricing based on averages that they ask for pricing. What you think? Um, it's hard, Michael, without again, without more context, without seeing it. Uh, I, I don't want to give you an inaccurate answer. With BPAs, they will very often. Yeah, the, the pricing is based on averages, or in other words, it's based on estimates. And that was what they did with the one that we just looked at. They're giving you an estimate number of, of occurrences, because that's what they have to base it off of, because it's not a real job. It's not a real project. It's when, when you go after BPAs or, or Matox or any sort of like vehicle, it's not a real project that you're pricing. It's a example project, something that you could go against. So they give you estimates they give you they give you specific things to go off of but those specific things are not necessarily real okay but but they're giving you what they want you they're just like if we gave this to you what would it cost it, that's really what they're getting at like if this is what this looked like what would it cost use this as the estimate you know what i'm saying so that is the story that's going on when you're looking at bpas because it's not a specific task order that they're teeing up I don't know if that helps, but that is what's going on with those sorts of vehicles. I guess the last thing I'll say is you have to use the averages that they're like they're telling you to go off of. There's really no other way to do it. You know what I'm saying? If you don't agree to those averages or something seems off, ask a contracting, get clarification. If it seems totally wrong, then just don't bid it. You know, you don't have to go after it. Matt, where do you find NSN items? I'm not sure I understand the question. Um, you know, national stock number items. Uh, where do you find them? I, I'm not sure. Like, that's more of a commercial question. Like, where, where would where would you find them? Right? Like, where would you find them? Depends on the item. Depends on the manufacturer. Depends on supply chain. Adrian, can you tell us about funding options? Is it safe to use a factoring company? If so, would you recommend? Yeah, I would I would recommend working with a, a factoring company that works with GovCons and specifically small GovCons. So I would interview a factoring company that works with small government contractors, understands their needs, and has experience doing this. So that's the most important thing for me right off the cuff, that they know how the space works. They know how the government pricing works. They kind of know what they're getting into so that you have an experienced partner instead of just some rando factoring company that's just going to throw a rate at you and they don't understand the industry. But yes, lots of GovCons use factoring and I, I don't have anything negative necessarily to say about it. Other funding options could be SBA loans, credit cards, cash, um, and then also depending on what type of work you're doing, consider like, if you're working, you wouldn't be the case if it was a sub. But if you're working with retailers, manufacturers, anything like that, they're also going to have their own funding options. If you're having to do something that's expensive, that's a lot of money, they're not going to expect you to come up with all that money up front. They're going to have their own typical uh, financing in-house, or they may have a, an out-of-house financing company that they, they work with. So you can use the own, their own internal, again, depending on what it is that you're, you're going after. If it's services, financing is not really a thing for services, but... 
Daniel, is there Web3 services I can bid on? Um, it, it's going to depend on how it's put out there, right? I mean, and and really, you have to answer that question for yourself, Daniel. You'll have to see what's out there. If you're not seeing it, then the answer might not be no, right? You also have to look in a period of time and just piggybacking on what I was saying earlier. When you're going out there and you're, you're finding the overlaps, you have to do it over a period of time that's not just a day or a week or necessarily even a month, okay? Because we also go through busy seasons and slow seasons and you don't want to get the wrong idea. So you, you, will, you want to try to do some research, do some research on USA spending, look at spending per NAICS code. They'll show you per quarter, per year, how much money was spent, right? If you're not finding uh, PSC codes or key uh, NAICS codes that are tied exactly to your industry, it could be hard to put the dollar value to it because it's going to kind of fall through the cracks. But you at least want to try to do that. Go to usaspending.gov and play around with those filters to see what the spending is. And do that over a time period so that you get an accurate, an accurate depiction and an accurate takeaway before making a final decision in, in any event. Michael says, thank you for your service. Right on. hundred percent, Michael. Glad, glad that helps. I know without the context, it's kind of difficult, but um, Bean Ranger, that really helped me a lot. Nice. Thanks. I've been uh, doing a lot of what you're saying, so I must be going in the right direction. Awesome. Love to hear that. Love to hear the feedback actually getting in and, and doing some of the work. That's awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, guys, uh, there's so much more to learn about bidding and winning on Sam. What we do during these lives is obviously just drop in the bucket. If you're looking for a step-by-step -step proven process to follow with weekly coaching to make sure you're doing this right, you may be the next perfect fit to join our bid team. I already plugged it earlier today, but a lot of you know what's going on. You can learn more and apply to our bid team at govkinmethod.com. It is application only, but it is not something that starts at a specific time. We have new members join every month. So it is, uh, it's totally up to you when you're in a good space to do it uh, financially and in terms of focus and is being registered. You do have to have a cage code in order to, uh, to apply. So that way we know that you're serious and I can best help you because once you get in the program, we're, I'm, you're going through system one, your prospecting system, you're getting your, your first bid out in 30 days. Like that is, that is the goal. That's the way that it's set up. We have very many members coming in that, that are doing that. Then after that, we're taking it to the next level. So you have to be ready to do the work. You have to be in a place to do the work and to get busy. And if you do that, you're going to start winning contracts. And that's what the goal is. So that's why we, we've we designed it and worked backwards from a way that works. That's based all on action instead of, you know, sitting back and watching like useless slides or, or hours and hours of somebody drone on. That doesn't helpful. That's not helpful to you. You need to start doing work. And then when you get stuck, you need to get help doing the work. So that's why we, we do Mondays and Fridays uh, group coaching on Zoom, but everything you send to me only goes to me. So that way you don't have to worry about anybody else seeing the bids you're going after or even your proposals. Okay, it only goes to me. So that way you can get that individual you know assistance, but others can still benefit uh, as, as well from the approach. So that is our bid team, guys. All right, everybody, we'll go ahead and call it today. Smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and shout out to everybody who's joining us for the first time today from all over the country. We'll see you guys in the next Sam.gov Bids live episode. Have an awesome week, everybody, and we will see you all next time. Take care, everyone.